0: I was talking to a, a number of students tonight, and some of them said to me, boy, I, I just never would have imagined being here. And I said, you know, I never imagined myself being here. And I have a pretty good imagination, I'm, I'm told. But never in my wildest imagination, 27 years ago, did I think that I'd be standing between two teepees and 5,000 megawatts of speakers uh, freezing my ass off. <laughs> Um, I'd like to talk actually about a different kind of history, and it's the notion that history is what we choose to remember, and in that sense, you can change the past, because you can go back and you can look at things differently. and I'd like to take you back to a time in my life when I was 17 and I was about to leave home, and I had two very, very big goals. The first goal was to leave behind everything that I had been raised to believe, a lot of which was Chinese. And the second goal was to never see my mother again. Well, I failed those goals miserably. But I will tell you where those, those goals came from. I was raised in a home with very strong beliefs, two sets of contradictory beliefs, in fact. My father was, in addition to being a Baptist, uh, an electrical engineer, a Baptist minister, and so he believed in things such as miracles and the goodness of God, good begetting good and bad begetting bad. And I tried to believe everything that he believed as unquestioned truth, I remember, in fact, one time a minister told me that, who canceled me when he caught me reading a banned book, which I believe was Psychopathia Sexualis, that if I, if I could only behave myself and, and control these yearnings and not read bad books and, that would warp my mind, and if I would stay a virgin, that one day there would be lines of men waiting to see me. And I still think about that promise. Every time I'm at a bookstore signing, I see lines of people, and I count the number of men in the audience, and I think, hmm, I wonder if I'd stayed a virgin longer if there would have been more men in the line. But anyway, those are the kinds of beliefs that my father had. My mother, on the other hand, had... Chinese beliefs. They were sort of Buddhist, but not your kind of tranquil Zen Buddhist kind of beliefs. They were things that had to do with ghosts and ancestors and how things were fated to be. A lot of those beliefs went flying out the window the year that my father and my brother were both diagnosed with brain tumors. And my mother suddenly... She brought all these beliefs out of the closet, and she called upon geomancers to try to find out what was wrong with our house, why it was out of balance. She called in faith healers to, who spoke in tongues to try and cure my father and brother. She demanded that the hospital, that Stanford, use a new kind of chemotherapy. She prayed to a painting of her mother who committed suicide when she was nine years old. And in spite of all these things that she tried, in spite of the fact that she would never give up, my brother and then my father both died. And I can't describe, I can't begin to describe to you what kind of pain and outrage lie in wait for you when you believe that the world is held together by the centrifugal force of faith and when all that faith begins to wobble and teeters into hopelessness and everything you believe goes flying into the bleakest Parts of your soul. That's when I decided that I would never believe, never trust in faith, never hope, and that way I wouldn't be wounded. Now I want to take you to a moment when I am now 33 years old, and I'm older and I'm doing fairly well. I'm a freelance business writer writing for IBM and ATT, a lot of nice corporations. I'm making good money, I'm happily married. I ha- we own our own house, and I sort of get along with my mother, but only because I know what things to avoid saying to her. And I see her occasionally, but as little as possible. One day I was on vacation in Hawaii, and I received a phone call four days later from when it was actually placed, a phone message. And that's, the message said, Don't panic, but your mother has had a heart attack. And I went to a phone, a pay phone, I was thinking, my God, it's four days later, I've lost her. And what was most terrible to me was I didn't even know what I had lost. I thought, who was this woman who was my mother? Who? What were her dreams? What were her hopes? What her, were her greatest wishes for me? And as I went to the phone, I said, dear God or dear Buddha, whoever is listening right now, I promise if she lives if she lives i will do anything i will get to know her i will take her to china uh whatever well i got to the phone and there she was you know i finally got there and she said hi i said oh you're You're alive. She says, yeah, you know, I got in a fight with a fishmonger and my chest started to hurt. And they put me in intensive care, but I'm okay now. So then I I heard this little voice say, "Uh, you made a promise. (laughs) Well, I took my mother to China. I did get to know three weeks, three weeks of China. Talk about Chinese torture. But it was worth it. I got to know her. I got to hear her stories about her past life, and I began to write those stories. A lot of people think that what I write is about cultures, and I don't really think it's about uh, demystifying uh, Chinese culture, American culture, or about identity. I think that what I write about is my confusion and my questions and my lost hopes. And all the things I couldn't ask when I was young, when I decided that I couldn't trust in anything. That's what I think my stories are about. They are about faith. They are about great hopes. And the fact that these books are read are, to me, a great miracle. Thank you, and good luck in making your own history.